Audere est ficere, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to The Launch Pod for Pomona Valley Church. That's right, Latin scholars, to dare is to do. Tottenham Hotspur, my adopted English soccer team, is playing the second of two matches in the semifinals of the Champions League tomorrow. So everybody together now, come on, you Spurs. Before you all turn this off, don't worry, we are not doing a preview of the Champions League semifinals on the podcast today. But we could. After an injury-riddled Spurs squad lost a tight 1-0 match in the first leg, all we need to do to go through to the finals is win in Amsterdam. I think there already are a couple other podcasts people could go to if they wanted further analysis, dear. Oh, and the Spurs go marching in. If you had a separate mic right now, I would cut it. How dare you. Curtis tries with very little success to get the boys to say, come on, you Spurs, whenever Tottenham is on the television. Come on, you Spurs. Moving on, we wanted to give you a quick update on what we are up to. Curtis has been working on dotting the I's and crossing the T's to get us legal status as a nonprofit in the state of California. And we received that initial approval, which comes in the form of a tax identification number in the mail just yesterday. And that means we're going to be able to set up our own bank account, get insurance for the church, fundraise directly, and apply to incorporate as a full-fledged 501c3 with a board and bylaws and policies and all those things. We also just sent out the May launch newsletter. If you didn't get it and want to, you can find a link to sign up in the show notes or via our Instagram, which is at Pomona Valley Church. Now, before we go on, today's episode is brought to you by Sermonizer. What pastor doesn't want to bring only the best messages from the Word of God to their congregation? I know I do. But gosh, that just takes so much work and study. And for some reason, nobody likes it if you just play a video of John Ortberg or Stephen Furtick and call it good. Wouldn't it be great if there were an easier way? That's where Sermonizer comes in. We combine exclusive deals with the best preachers out there with artificial intelligence-driven technology to make it so you can bring John Ortberg to your people without them even knowing it. All you have to do is stand in front of your congregation, and what appears on the screen will be a seamless, undetectably CGI-altered version of your face saying the words of whichever celebrity pastor you choose. (laughs) Even better, these sermons are exclusive to Sermonizer, so you don't have to worry about any embarrassing YouTube clips turning up. It's that easy. No pesky scripts to memorize. No long hours listening to what the Holy Spirit might want you to say to your unique congregation. (laughs) Sermonizer is a frictionless platform, and we guarantee the number of people saying you are the most amazing preacher they've ever heard will go up 457% or your money back. Sermonizer, because your time as a pastor is too valuable to be spent doing your job. Gigantic HD screens and computers powerful enough to run our technology sold separately. Thanks to our sponsors. Moving on. Curtis and I have a running joke from our seminary days about coffee church. It came from a time that I was walking by Fuller's bookstore on campus in Pasadena one Sunday morning, and there were a handful of our classmates sitting out on the patio of the attached coffee shop. I asked what they were doing, and they said, oh, this is coffee church. I kind of laughed and kept on going, and only later did I realize, after I had seen the same group there on multiple Sunday mornings... And only after we put together that they didn't actually have any other church community that they were a part of? Yes, only then did I realize they actually hadn't been joking, like I assumed. They considered Coffee Church their actual church. Because nothing says church like four white seminary graduate students in their mid-30s talking over $5 lattes. Exactly. 
Ever since, we've sort of used Coffee Church as our shorthand for people who want church without any of the mess, who really want it to be a totally painless experience of sitting around with a small number of people who are almost exactly like them in every respect. In the parlance of present-day Silicon Valley, it's making church frictionless. And what we want to suggest today is that friction, which in this case is the messiness of real community between people who are not exactly alike, also in the parlance of present-day Silicon Valley, is a feature, not a bug. That messiness, difficulty, and yeah, sometimes pain of pursuing real, authentic community among people who are not exactly like you is actually one of the best parts of church. We live in a world that avoids the awkwardness and mess of relationships in so many ways. It, it is flat out easier to not have to interact with difficult people. And so many people just choose not to, and that makes a lot of sense. But we think church could be different because there's something important about the mess itself. We want to lean in today to the idea of messy togetherness as a key feature of what it means to follow Jesus into the world for three related reasons. First, we want to embrace this messy togetherness because that's how we can best represent God to the world. One of the distinctive beliefs that Christians have held on to for thousands of years is that God is Trinity, three persons in one God. Traditionally, that Trinity is spoken of as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Although some people find Father to be a bit misleading because God doesn't have a gender in the way humans do. In fact, in Genesis 1, when humans are created, God creates them male and female, and God says it isn't good for a person to be alone. It's the only thing called not good, and there isn't actually any sin that has entered the story yet. Point being, God is community, and God creates humanity communally straight from the get-go. It's only a community that can fully represent God to the world, and that's precisely because God is Trinity. God is not solitary, so God's representatives can't be either. There's a theologian named Stanley Grenz who argues that the core of theology, the heart of understanding who God is and why we're here and all of that, is that God in God's self is not solitary, but is instead eternally relational. Right. Some people say God is love. And Grenz's point is that that isn't some nebulous, ethereal, ultimately meaningless platitude, like sometimes it can sound, but that God is, at God's very heart, a loving relationship. And so all of the things the world is supposed to be, and all of the things that God's people are supposed to be, reflect that. So, for example, one practical outworking of this is that diversity matters not because it's some abstract good thing in our culture and we want to be good people who do good things. Diversity is essential in the church because we are reflecting the diversity at the heart of God's self, the Trinity. And unfortunately, because we are not God, that means that sometimes things get messy in our diversity. But our theological conviction is that it is still better than an easy, painless uniformity. The mess is what allows us to work at truly reflecting God to the world in a way that frictionless uniformity never could. Messy togetherness lets us do our highest work of more accurately reflecting God's Trinitarian relational self to the world around us. And so then second, we want to embrace messy togetherness at Pomona Valley Church because it is formational for us, both as individuals and as a community. This is one of those realities that we know is true but still don't like it very much. But most of the time, the things that form us, 
the things that help us grow and become who we were made to be are uncomfortable. Right. I mean, one familiar example of something being uncomfortable but growing us is exercise or learning a new language. It's in the pushing of ourselves outside of our comfort zone that real growth happens. And that's just as much true in terms of community as anything else. We grow in our ability to reflect God to the world by practicing when it's hard, instead of running away or complaining that it hurts and giving up. And if we stick with it, we will find that we become more empathetic and compassionate, more kind and gentle, more patient. The pain, the messiness of that growth process are features, not bugs. They're the very things that help us grow in a way that Coffee Church never could. Most of the time, Coffee Church leaves us more or less exactly where we started. And there is another even more important part of this. As Christians, we sometimes get into the bad habit of thinking about our formation singular. But the Bible is far more interested in our formation plural. The book of 1 Peter puts it this way, echoing Exodus 19, actually. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of God who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The point is not that we are all individual priests. And you can see that in verse 10 when it talks about us going from not a people to the people of God. It is not saying that we didn't exist before God's mercy, just that we were wandering, familyless individuals who had not been put together in God's people. This is hard for us to wrap our minds around sometimes as individualistic Americans, but in a very real sense, like we talked about a couple minutes ago, we reflect God as a group in a way that we do not, cannot, as individuals. The words of scripture are almost always directed to the group of God's people, the Israelites or the church, and only rarely directed towards the individual follower of Jesus. It's one of those things that's tricky in English because we say you, but if you did the Bible in Southern where you have y'all or in Spanish where you have ustedes, you'd see it better as a reader. Has anybody written the Southern translation of the Bible? <laughs> so the people of God is not a group of loosely connected, individually good people. It's a community that together is formed into a reflection of God to the world around them. And it's precisely the commitment to stick with one another through the mess that allows us to be formed together into that sort of people. Showing the world a community of diverse, disagreeing, messy people who nevertheless love one another deeply is how we show the world what God is like. And then third, and related to that last point, messy togetherness gives us a chance to practice reconciliation so that we will be better equipped to bring it out to the world around us. When we agree together to be reconcilers, that common understanding allows us to practice imperfectly together. Then we have those skills, listening well, honoring dual narratives, making repairs, humility, and we can draw on them in other arenas of our lives. Yeah, in a world that's a lot more interested in splitting into factions, identifying who's right and wrong, and then blasting the other side, in order to be people who bring reconciliation, we need to know that we're moving into a space that's hostile to that goal. 
Not that every individual is going to be hostile, but that on the whole, our work, it's going to be looked at as confusing at best. We can expect the world to not understand the good news that reconciliation is possible through Jesus. And so we can't expect the work of bringing reconciliation to go smoothly as we move towards the world in the way that we must as followers of Jesus. The messy togetherness of church matters because it can give us a relatively safe, though even as we've already said, not completely safe and painless, environment in which we can practice the work of reconciliation with one another, with other people who are also wanting to do that work. It's like having our sons practice hitting a baseball off a tee and not starting them with a live pitcher. The tee is a safe place to practice your swing, get all the mechanics of it down, your arms in the right place and the bat in the right place, so that when the ball is moving towards you and when the pitcher might be throwing curveballs or change-ups or whatever, you aren't also trying to figure out what you're supposed to do with the bat in the first place. By bringing our mess to the church and then working through that together, we practice the mechanics of reconciliation so that in other areas of our life, at school, home, work, wherever it may be, there's all sorts of curveballs coming our way. We're already people who are formed to be reconcilers. And it makes it easier then to bring reconciliation to the sometimes hostile and certainly confused world around us. A commitment to messy togetherness is a feature of the church because it allows us to practice how we can be who God has called us to be as a community. Which is why as cool as Coffee Church can be, as painless and frictionless and easy as it is, and as appealing maybe as come be friends with other cool people just like you is for some people, we want to commit to messy togetherness because that is how we can be formed into a community that reflects God to the world and is equipped to bring reconciliation into the world. That is the type of church that we would want to be a part of, and we hope it's the type of church that you would want to be a part of too. So come join us in the messy togetherness of it all. We're going to leave it there for now, but we'll be back next week. In the meantime, show notes are up on my blog, MeredithAnnMiller.com. You can find us on Instagram and sign up for the newsletter. And we would love it if you would rate, review, and share what we're doing here. Thanks. Love you all. Bye. Bye. Bye.